Gentlemen, and welcome to episode 50 of Podcasts Are Wonderful. We're coming to you live this this week again from uh, LA Podcast Festival. Yes, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, we were here last year, and it just went so well that I had to come back. I couldn't help it because Los Angeles crowds are the best crowds in the world. Yeah, I was pandering. I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, when you get in front of that crowd, you just have to do it. You feed off that energy. Anyway, this week we're going to be talking about uh, a podcast that was actually suggested to me by this guy named Slainer on the internet, and actually a few other people uh, got with me about it as well, but uh, we're going to be talking about Professor Blastoff, episode 202, featuring Tig Notaro, David Huntsberger, Kyle Dunnigan, and Ross Jeffries, and crowd, you know it, it was on your ticket, this is a bad boys of podcasting episode. Right, yeah, okay. No, don't boo the bad boys. It's okay. Uh, so, you know, last year, I brought you Barack Obama and the Queen of England. This year is even better, folks. I've got your favorite businessman in America, that handsome guy you see every week on Shark Tank, and you fall in love. You just want to hug him and put him in your pants pocket. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage... Robert Herjavec. Robert, welcome to the show. Hello, people. Wow, this is a fantastic crowd. I know, they're so nice. Uh, I mean, I didn't love when they booed the band podcasting series, but... That was feisty. You gotta, you gotta maintain control. Yeah, they're gonna keep me on my toes. I, I don't mind too much. Uh, well, I'm so excited to be doing a Bad Boys of Podcasting episode because I've always considered myself to be a bit of a bad boy in business. Um, <laughs> I think unanimously I'm sort of considered the cool shark. Yeah, and you're kind of a nice guy on the show, but you've got those steely eyes and uh, you're not afraid to bow out or come up with uh, your reasons why a business might not work out that well. Oh, absolutely not. I'm, I'm willing to tell people how it is, and I just want to say that flattery will not get you an investment. But I love hearing about my, my looks and uh, <laughs> my new body for Dancing with the Stars. I'm in some, probably the best shape of my life. Oh, yeah, you were on Dancing with the Stars. Did you win that? I, I didn't watch it. I'm sorry. Oh, no problem. We did very, pretty well. Uh, out of 13, we got sixth, starting a new life with uh, my partner, Kim. Wow. In a way, you kind of won that show after all, because you won the heart of a beautiful woman. Exactly. That's how I feel about it. Like, you can't put an award on basically finding true love. uh, It's just been such an exciting year um, after my divorce, you know, just to find somebody like Kim. So when were you divorced? uh, That was a year ago. Um, Sadly, my marriage of 25 years came to an end, but, you know, like business, there are cycles in relationships, and um, I guess you didn't see it, but I, I did famously plant a big old smooch on Kim during one of our routines. Oh, wow. I, I, yeah, I, I was just caught up in the heat of the moment. 
So had you been dating before that, or was that the moment where you just looked in her eyes and you knew she was the one? The, it, there was, you could tell there was a little sparkle, but that essentially the whole moment, it was just so passionate. Uh, I, I guess you didn't see it, but I, I had all of my, the hair on my body lasered off and I, I'm in a white billowing shirt with my chest out and my, I'm barefoot and I just finished a plie and just, I, I looked in her eyes and I, I just felt like, this is what it's like to be a man. And I planted a big kiss on her face and that was the beginning of it. Wow, that is so romantic. Who is this woman, by the way? I don't, I don't know. Oh, she's a professional dancer. Um, Kim Johnson's her name. And really, you can't write a, a fairy tale with a beginning of a love like that. Like, to have her first kiss on a stage that was being shared by uh, Red Foo of <laughs> LMFAO, Suzanne Summers, Tom Bergeron was watching. It, oh, it was just an incredible moment. Yes, I dream of having Tom Bergeron watch me kiss my wife. Like, I send tapes in and stuff. But so far as I know, they're going straight to the dumpster. Isn't it just something you hope for? That someday Tom Bergeron's going to watch you make out with a woman? <laughs> Maybe give a little, a little bit of that Tom Bergeron commentary. He's known yes. for... <laughs> oh, like on the videos on America's Funniest Home yeah. Videos? Where he'll, oh, like, you know, he'll do the voice for a cooking. squirrel on there or something? Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's always got something cooking. <laughs> like to to be doing the woman you're making out with inner monologue while you're kissing her. It's just <laughs> like, hmm, somebody had some garlic. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. Does he still do America's Funniest Home Videos? Because that would be a good way to get it get him to see this. I'm like, not I sure. I could be kissing my wife and then like my nephew runs up and hits me in the balls with a baseball bat or something. <laughs> yeah, or a dog win. a dog starts humping your leg. And... Oh, oh yeah. That'd be like two dreams come true. <laughs> that would be a really great way to game the system, yeah. Oh, I wonder. <laughs> oh the audience. <laughs> the audience is eating up. Up then. AMF videos. <laughs> yeah, so uh, how did you get your start in business, by the way? I was, I've always wondered that about you sharks. Like you always are shown stepping out of private jets and they kind of gives you a little bit of a backstory, but I want to hear the, like some of the details. Well, uh, I, I'm sure you know I'm the son of an immigrant factory worker. Um, my father, my family came over from Croatia when I was 12 years old. Um, before that, we were living on a farm and we, you know, weren't making very much money. Um, once we got to Canada, my dad got a job at a factory pushing a broom. And then something happened. It was a very dark moment. And this is a true story, which was while my dad was at work, my mom spent $500 on a vacuum cleaner from this door-to-door -door salesman. He, and it, uh, what, he was a, what a snake oil salesman that man was because $500 was six months of our living expenses. And after that, and everything that happened after that, I, I swore 
I would never let somebody get taken advantage of. Because I, I got to tell you, the fallout. But to buy a vacuum cleaner as the wife of a man who sweeps <laughs> was just such an affront to, to my father and everything he stood for. And oh, wow. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that aspect of it. Six months. And, oh, he was angry. Oh, he was. He came home and he brought his, his trusty broom. And that he, he polished it up and he put it in a, a way where it was supposed to go. And he's thinking, huh, normally there's, there's dinner being cooked. Normally there's at least like, my mom would usually get like some potatoes and some nice bread and we'd have a stew. But instead, he hears this noise and it's like a very loud, you know, this was an old vacuum cleaner. And it's just on in the corner because we were living in a basement and we didn't have carpets. <laughs> so he's, he thinks... What what is that? Is that a machine? Is there some? What is this thing? And my mom, she's just crying. She knows. She knew the moment she purchased that vacuum cleaner, there was going to be hell to pay. And oh my god, he was just like, "What are you thinking? We can't eat a vacuum cleaner. What, what if my factory saw that? Saw you walking around? What are the neighbors going to think seeing you walking around with the five hundred dollar vacuum cleaner? How am I supposed to go to work?" And it's, oh. so from that point on. I said that I was never going to let anybody get taken advantage of. Yeah, because if, if his factory finds out about vacuum cleaners, he could be out of a job. They might uh, switch over from broom pushers to vacuum guys, and he doesn't know how to do that. Exactly. He's, he's an old-fashioned um, man from the old country. They're, they're not going to vacuum on a farm. It's so that's, that's Not only did she lose half a year's wages, she's potentially putting my dad out of a job and she didn't know what she was doing it was it was this man who sold her it who just saw uh, an easy an easy mark sold her on <laughs> the <laughs> luxury of a vacuum cleaning owning woman sold her on the vanity of it and as a simple woman it just it like cut right through her and oh, what a it was a terrible terrible night because then we had to use it we had we had a vacuum cleaner now so we just had to leave it on, and it just—it almost tore our family apart. Well, your family couldn't afford a TV, so you would turn the vacuum cleaner on for entertainment. <laughs> oh yeah, that—that was actually one of the few saving graces of having a vacuum cleaner. Because so we were one of the first families in the neighborhood, so I kind of—I won some points at school that you know kids would want to cover come over to my house and watch the vacuum cleaner. We. We'd like we'd suck up a, a like a red cotton ball, and then we'd make bets on like how many times the cotton ball was going to come around because you'd see it spinning around in the chamber. Ooh, yeah, that, yeah, that was pretty fun. And before my listeners write in, I mean, you can delete those emails you started already. Yes, you technically can eat a vacuum cleaner, but think it through, guys. That's only going to be like four meals. And that's a half a year's worth of uh, money. You don't want to eat the vacuum cleaner that his mom bought, okay? So then that's how your family got started. But how did you get started? Like, uh, did you work in the factory as well? Or were you oh, a well, door-to-door vacuum salesman apprentice? Or I did see the potential in uh, doing door-to-door work. Uh, but I swore that I was going to put my abilities to good. So I got into security because I wanted to make sure that no uh, 
woman immigrant was ever going to get be taken advantage of again. Um, so I got into uh, cybersecurity because I realized that essentially what a hacker is is like a dirty, no good, goddamn snake oil swindler coming into your computer saying, "Hey, let me in here. Uh, I'm going to take your money, potentially ruin your life." So if I could apply what had happened to me to computers, uh, I saw a lot of opportunity in that, and I ended up making a pretty good living. Sold my first company for $30 million, actually. Wow. How much of that was, like, yours alone? It was my company, so I did have to take out some loans. So I, I, I don't want to boast about money, uh, but I, I was able to retire for three years based on that sale. Nice. So Yeah. That's like uh, it's like six vacuums work, man. <laughs> In today's dollars, yeah, uh, I could have gotten quite a few vacuum cleaners. Let's just say. And to this day, you refuse to do any bus any business with immigrants, right? Because you don't want to accidentally take advantage of them. Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm hyper aware when it comes to an immigrant um, because I know that they are very susceptible to, <laughs> let's say, false hopes, false opportunities. And <laughs> when, when you wave a vacuum cleaner in front of an immigrant, their, their eyes are going to light up. <laughs> <laughs> so when you support Donald Trump's wall, that's for their safety, not keep them out of the country. That's just because you don't want them coming in and, you know, all these snake oil salesmen to take advantage of them. You want them to stay where they are so that, you know, that they have that advantage of knowing, you know, the people around them and stuff like that. Absolutely. This wall is essentially like my business, my, my antivirus business, my security business. I'm in the business of protecting people. And these immigrants, they think America is the land of opportunity. And I'm Canadian, so I've got sort of an outsider's perspective on America. And I'll tell you what, when when you're sharing the stage with so-called American capitalists like Mark Cuban, you know that they're they're not doing it for uh, the immigrants' best interests. Mm -hmm. Who is your favorite other shark besides yourself? Well, me and Kevin have a history. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but we were on the Canadian version of Shark Tank called Dragon's Den. And so when we had the opportunity to come on Shark Tank, we sort of graduated up. But to be honest, I, I, I personally, on a personal level, I dislike Kevin because he, he has been known to talk. If, if you give him an opportunity to, to get going, he will uh, rub your eardrums your, your raw. Um, I, it's I, ironic because... His nickname is Mr. Wonderful. Yeah, that's sort of a one of those like calling Little John, Little John, who's a big guy or like a big guy, uh, tiny. He's actually um, notoriously awful. He's uh, if you want to talk about taking advantage of people, he he will steal candy from a baby and then sell it back to that baby's mama, by after taking five percent of it in perpetuity. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that baby's life. Yeah. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, you're right to boo. What a jerk. But you have to yeah. stop now. We have to get on with the show. Uh, I'd have to say that uh, probably Damon. Damon John's my favorite. We're both kind of the cool sharks. So, 
but he does he doesn't like it when I, you know, I like to try everything. Uh-huh. So if there's like a sneaker company, he he'll pull me aside and be like, Robert, I swear to God, if you put on these goddamn sneakers, the company's gonna lose all of its value seeing you in these sneakers. Nobody's gonna want to buy them. They they're gonna associate them with dads who <laughs> who fall off paddle boards and can't goddamn win a Dancing with the Stars competition. <laughs> um, so I think he's just kind of jealous. Uh, he. He doesn't like me stealing the coolness, uh, but we probably get along the best. And it's nice that you have such a close relationship that he can say, you know, kind of things that sound kind of mean to an outsider, but when you know that you guys are friends, then uh, they're they're not so bad. Yeah, uh, we're like we're all so open with each other. Um, me and Mark kind of clashed uh, when he first came on. Um, he was the, the new kid on the block, and. So when it was his first time, first day on set, I was like, well, I, I don't want to haze this guy. I'll, I'll go up to him and, you know, just kind of show him the ropes. And I go up to him and he's on his cell phone. And he's not, I'm, I'm saying, hey, Mark, um, I'm Robert. You probably know that. Uh, if you want me to show you around, no problem. And then he, he presses send on something. And I hear all of the other sharks getting a text message. I'm not getting a text message. And so I'm thinking, that's kind of weird. Is he talking about me? And so I, I look over his shoulder, and he's got a picture of me, but it's not my body. It's that little girl from um, the sunscreen with her pants getting pulled down. <laughs> and there's a little fake shark fin on her back, too. And I'm thinking, what is that supposed to mean? I'm not a little girl. and I'm, I'm a real shark. And so... We haze each other, but it's no big deal. We've grown to have a mutual respect over the course of our seasons. And is it hard competing with him, knowing that he is like so much richer than you and uh, could make much better offers than you can? Well, I think when it comes to investing, it's you've got to ha- you got to be smart. You got to know how to um, negotiate and. Mark, he, he doesn't like to negotiate. In fact, uh, I think you may remember on one episode, I gave a great offer. I gave a killer offer. And then Mark just says, I'll give you exactly what you're offering if you say yes in five minutes. And I had never seen that. So my counter to that was to say, hey, Mark. <laughs> and th- somehow that didn't work because Mark got the investment. So it's been a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Playing with playing with Mark, yeah. Plus, he kind of takes advantage of you because you kind of part the waters a little bit, get things started. Then that blood is in the water, and that Mark Cuban swoops right in and he uh, takes over from you. Yeah, it's been frustrating. He's he's kind of a he's a big uh, great white, I guess, and I'm just a, <laughs> a little pond shark that you can pet at SeaWorld. My teeth couldn't even, it's like sandpaper is sometimes how I feel. If he wanted to, he's done, he's tried, he, he's tried to buy my company. Like if I don't, if I don't keep an eye on things, he's gone to the board and he's like, hey, uh, what, what do we got to do to get Robert out of here? I just, I just want to see what it's like to be Robert for one day <laughs> to dance around. I'm going to put, I'm going to go buy his house and buy his clothes and I'm going to, 
wear Robert's underwear and I'm going to be, I'm going to come to his company and be like, oh, uh, I'm Robert. Hey, everybody call me Robert. And I'm going to wear a little dress. I'm going to put on one of his wife's dresses and <laughs> I'm going to roll around in his office and everybody's going to watch. And then I'm going to film it. How much, how much to make that happen? He's tried a couple times. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Do you regularly wear your wife's dresses or is that just the thing he thought of? No, I've never worn her dresses. I don't know where he got that idea that I do. He keeps telling people at my company that I do. And he sends these little Photoshop pictures of me in a dress, me in a little baby carriage holding a big lolly. And I don't know what's, how to stop him. <laughs> I, I, they just show up in company emails. So they say, hi, hi, staff from Robert. I hope you have a sweet day. And it, it's a picture of me holding a big lolly. I just, how did he get into my company servers? That's absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, that's that's outlandish thing is you are a security company. How is he getting in there? I have no idea. I wish I knew. <laughs> I keep talking to my IT guys, and they're just like, we don't know. Are you using your security code or your security software? And then, and then I see this uh, one guy I caught because he had this – Little, he had a little Mavericks jacket on. And so I said, okay, I, I see. I see what's going on. You're out of here, buddy. You're out. <clears throat> but it still, it still continues to happen. I don't know how to stop it. That's too bad. I know there's a lot of like real weirdos that come on Shark Tank and they come up with these weird products that the, would never work. But have there ever been any so weird that they don't appear on television? Oh, there's so, so many. Uh, where to begin? Um, one that comes to mind, you know this this new trend. I just I keep seeing it, and it's gone. It's just gone over like so far, which is like saying it's the Netflix of whatever. Like we ha we've had people say they're the Netflix of like ties, um, where it's like a subscription service where yeah. you get something in the mail and then you send it back. And this this one I. I I sort of understood, but it just didn't. I couldn't wrap my head around the logistics, and it was it it, it solved a problem, and it was like, so I guess the the premise is you know how have you ever broken a glass in your kitchen? There's sure. glass everywhere, yeah. and then you have to use a piece of bread to get up that last bit of glass. Well, this, okay, this I had was, never thought of that, but that's a good idea. Oh yeah, it's I, I guess it's a life hack. And um, it's it's it'll get all the glass, and then you don't have to like worry about getting glass in your sponge. And so he was, it was, a, it was an interesting idea that it would be like a Netflix for bread, so you you don't have to use your good bread. See so if you've got like an, a nice artisan loaf or a ciabatta, you're not going to be wanting to get glass on that. And so each month you get a new piece of glass bread in the mail, <laughs> and then you just send back what you don't use. Uh, but then there's like. Where do you keep your glass bread? And where do you keep your food bread? <laughs> it was just hard to get behind it. Uh, Kevin made him an offer. He said, uh, <laughs> that he, he told this really long story. I don't know if you want me to retell it, but. Uh, it, it was, yes, actually, I would love to hear the story. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he said, uh, uh, so <clears throat> he he said that back in um, 
back in Canada, in, in Nova Scotia, where he lived, uh, there was a bakery that he walked by every day, and he could smell the bread. And it was run by two, three sisters, I believe. And each day, they, one sister would take her bread down, all the extra bread, down to the pond, and she would feed ducks every day. Until one day, she never came back. And what had happened was there was an old man who was feeding ducks. He used to feed at, uh, at the same park, and he was getting jealous. He was envious of all the attention these ducks were giving this sister. And so he came up with a plan to sabotage that sister's bread so that if he couldn't have those ducks, if he couldn't get that sweet duck, nobody could, is what he thought. So he sabotaged her bread by putting bits of glass and um, like coins and anything he could think of. He baked, he baked a loaf of bread just to sabotage it. And what happened was he, was he thought he was replacing her loaf, but actually the other sister took that home and fed it to her family. And so her family passed away. And so the old man knowing that he had essentially committed murder, panicked and burned down the bakery. And, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> what they didn't know was that the bakery was attached to a vacuum company. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> three people died, except for one, the last sister who was able to work out a new <laughs> kind of bread that had shapes baked into it. And that person was Betty Crocker. So <laughs> that <laughs> he saw potential. <laughs> oh my God, that is such a good story. Well, I mean, it is way too long, I'll give you that. But so then the, the sister that would take the bread to the ducks and she never came back. Um, was no, that Betty Crocker or... Did she not come back because the, the store had burned down? Or What happened was she was leaning over into the pond and she drowned. And it was unrelated. <laughs> oh, okay. So <laughs> it was oh, unrelated to the sabotage. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it was, I think it was misdirection on, on Kevin's part. Okay. <laughs> and a, a, kind of an unnecessary detail. But okay. you know how he likes to talk. <laughs> so the one, t the one sister ate the, uh, the sabotage bread. Mm -hmm. The second sister drowned in the duck pond, and then the third sister was Betty Crocker. Yeah. Yep. Well, that makes sense because once I hear that story, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to give money to a person that um, sells glass bread. Oh, me neither. But uh, yeah, Kevin made an offer. Um, it was. He it was it was for twenty thousand dollars, and she said. Uh, I don't want any part of your, I don't want any piece of your business, but if somehow this takes off, I want 10% uh, of whatever you make in perpetuity. And they ended up turning it down. They could have gotten a better loan from a bank or anywhere else than doing a deal with Kevin. Yeah. But that was a good story, right? Right. The story was great. And I don't know. So this was the weirdest story. Uh, was the person just like a big creep or something? I, I don't get that aspect of it. 
Oh yeah, he it was just like big burly man. Uh, he was covered in uh, he had hair all like a big beard. Uh, he was very overweight. Yeah, honestly, I I think he was also selling this attachment for the bread because I don't think he could bend over. So it was like a clamp that you put the bread on to push around your floor. I don't. Know, he had big big fat hands. Maybe he just had a hard time holding onto glasses. <laughs> what what he'd been through in his life to get to that point where he needed to use so much bread <laughs> it's beyond me <laughs> well and so did you give this product a try did you pick up some stuff with the bread or did you like try a bite of the bread or anything i mean i know you're not supposed to eat it but oh yeah i'm you know i'm always the first one to try a product i love getting my hands on things getting in the nitty-gritty and uh so it it did a good job but then to go back to like kevin's story then you have all this bread with glass in it i don't know if you i'm a big animal lover i I don't want my (laughs) my pets getting in that and then what if like you accidentally make a sandwich for your kids with the the glass bread it it was just we poked a lot of holes in it um lori did say that she could see it taking off on QVC. Once she saw me get my hands on that, scooping up that glass, she her eyes widened a little bit. But he was sticking with that Netflix business model. He didn't want to just sell people bread that they would throw away. No. And to his credit, I think a normal person probably doesn't break enough glass to dedicate a whole loaf a month. So it seems like you'd be getting a lot of bread back. And I don't know what you're going to do with all that extra bread. <laughs> so <laughs> you can't really resell it. Maybe the thing, maybe he didn't really want money at all in the first place. He just really wanted bread with little bits of glass. <laughs> like, you know, that. that's a good point. <clears throat> he had a whole system where you'd seal it up and it was mailed to his home address. I saw it on the package. So <laughs> he, was a, he was a big creep. He's a very strange man. <clears throat> well, it's too bad that you're kind of sick of uh, the Netflix of ideas because I actually thought of one ahead of time and I was going to, uh, you know, pitch it to you as a little bit of a mini Shark Tank for our listeners here in the in the in in our audience. Hey, listeners, hello. Yes, thank you for cheering. Uh, oh, I think that would be a great treat. I'd love to hear it. Well, it is, it is the Netflix of... Uh, permanent non-disposable diapers um ideas you know i would send you cloth diapers you would put them on your baby or you know uh, incontinent adult and Mm -hmm. then once they had been used i don't want to go too into depth about what that means uh you would put them into a bag and mail them back to me and uh i i guess i would wash them or something something happens there uh, I haven't nailed that part down yet, but uh, yeah, so that was my idea. What do you think about that? Well, I think what you're getting on uh, is a very underutilized market, which is the, because uh, I'm assuming that these are going to have, have different styles that you could, you oh, know, like maybe different yes. patterns on all these, mm-hmm. because I think the adult diaper fashion market is something that's pretty underutilized. I think uh, most people, when they're confined to a diaper uh, as an adult, they're sort of ashamed of it. And if we could 
you know, make that something that you wear with pride. Make it something that looks cool. I kind of shudder to even suggest this, but if we could get Mark on board, maybe get some Mavericks promotion oh, on that on, oh, on a diaper. Be amazing, yeah. I could see this appealing to Damon. He's ahead of the the fashion trend. Um, yeah, I didn't want to say anything because you know I have you here on the show, but as soon as you mentioned fashion, I you know Damon's face just popped up in my brain. Well, I, I'm always one to, you know, if I think a better shark's going to bring more value, I'm going to throw it their way or maybe partner up. Um, I'm, I'm just spitballing here, but I'm thinking, like, sports games. You never want to get up to use the bathroom. Um, if we could have, you know, a bunch of people at a baseball game wearing diapers uh, or just... I think a lot of people at baseball games are wearing diapers as is. I mean, that's a customer base right there for us. Exactly. So I think, you know... You kind of poo-poo, I don't want to use that term, uh, but you kind of <laughs> downplayed it when you, when you were pitching it. But I think you should, you, you got some credit. Give credit where credit's due, because that, I could see that taking off. Awesome. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any chance that you might be on another season of Dancing with the Stars? I would love to see you up there, you know, in one of my, one of my diapers <laughs> as you perform in front of the whole nation. That would be incredible, because... When you're on that stage, let me tell you, you need a, I, this is a, I guess a little secret for the audience, but I was wearing a diaper and with good cause because the, <laughs> there's no holding anything in. You're, you can't, you're not thinking about, all you're thinking about is nailing that dance. And mm-hmm. that means everything else is out the window and uh, out the, uh, the back door, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh my. Wow, <laughs> yeah. That's something that you don't really hear about in a lot of uh, like professional athletes, um, long distance runners. It's it's really nothing to be ashamed of. Okay, so let's just get down to the numbers real quick because uh, I here is what I, I'm telling you I have to get okay because I've borrowed very heavily on this idea so far. Like I I kind of poo pooed it, it. Well, there that goes again. Okay, at the beginning, okay. <laughs> at the beginning is you know just something that I thought of. But actually, I've been working on this for the last 10 years. I've been putting in entrepreneurial hours. What I really need is $10 million for 4% of my business. I can't make any less because uh, I've got some angel investors that would be very angry if they found out that I was giving away stock for any less than that. Uh, So I've really got to get that 10 mil for 4%. Am I doing the math right that... You're valuing it at four hundred million dollars. Well, let me just okay. Here's my thing. <laughs> By all means, I mean that's uh, yeah. If, if you can uh, back up that valuation, and what, what are our sales so far? Sales are where you know someone actually pays you for the product, right? I just want to make sure I have that term right. Yes, not what people have. Not that people have used your product and then sent you soiled diapers in the mail. <laughs> that, that would not be considered a sale. Okay. Uh, well, actually, I, I haven't had anyone send me soiled diapers yet. I haven't actually made the diapers yet. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, I, I'd love to get my get one around me, get in get in one and try it out okay, for this audience. You're, you're if my you had one, I'd love to <laughs> maybe give, take it for a spin. Okay. Uh, yeah, you're going to be my number one guy that I get to when I when I get them put together. But so far, I've just been trying to make different ones. Uh, I've been, 
you know, of course, you get when you get this uh, kind of investment money, um, you can't be living in a cardboard box if you're a businessman. Uh, you have to pay yourself a little bit, and uh, you know, your wife and your children, since they are part of uh, your corporation or whatever. Um, but the way I look at it is, everybody poops, okay? Everybody pees, and everybody could wear a diaper if. For some reason, diapers became more popular than going to the toilet. So let's just say that all those things happen. Suddenly, four hundred million dollars for my company does not seem that out out of reach, right? Oh, I mean, you're you're talking. You're making some pretty good points because uh, everybody does poop, everybody yeah. does pee, but not everybody has time to go to the bathroom to leave to stop what they're doing and go to another room just to do this. I mean, just think about the, the productivity that would increase at a company if there were mandatory diapers. <laughs> and also, uh, phase one, actually even before the, the diapers get out onto the market, phase one is a heavy uh, advertisement campaign, like actually more of a propaganda campaign, I would say. Of, of anti-toilet uh, literature that I want to get into the hands of every man, woman, and child on earth. Uh, so that's uh, really, I would say I'm more in the anti-toilet business than I am in the uh, diaper business. Wow, now that's where you're, uh, you've got some serious opportunities for growth because that's a global market. You're not just appealing to sports fans or office workers. Um, you're talking to everybody. If we're, if we could make a, a serious change and start, I'd start with hotels. Say, you don't need to build a hotel with bathrooms. Just leave them some diapers. <laughs> Send them to me. I'll, I'll give you a, the first round on the house. See how much, <laughs> how much more your guest experience is going to increase when they don't have to take time to go to the bathroom. They can just, they don't need to pause their movie. They just go right there in the bed. Take it off, put it in the mail, away they go. <laughs> and start getting luxury condos. Get that bathroom out of there. Actually, look at this luxury diaper. <laughs> so fast. That's a game changer. Yeah, absolutely. If, if we could get, I'm just spitballing here. If we could get Kim Kardashian to wear one of your diapers or get her face on one of those diapers just to sponsor it, because, you know, she's kind of known for her rear end. Um, she's, well, that know, was going to uh, be my only issue with this idea. Um, I don't know if I can make a diaper that large. <laughs> oh, right audience. Oh, oh Greggy. <laughs> oh, my God. you're in Los Angeles. She could be in the audience. Oh, my God. Kim, are you here? <laughs> Kim? Oh, I'm sorry, Kim. I didn't realize you were here. And your oh, you're gonna... amazing. I'm sorry. You're going to get a tweet about that. <laughs> you're going to get some tweets. <laughs> Leave Kim alone. <laughs> My, well, okay, let's get off of this whole idea. Um, we can talk later about the money. Okay, well, I'll say one thing for sure. I may not be an investor, but I'm definitely going to be a customer. <laughs> so. Oh, man, there was another Shark Tank question I had, but I can't remember what it was. Well, we had a big... Uh, one of the biggest things that happened last season was I stormed out. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, right. What what caused you that to happen? I think I did see this episode, but I don't remember what it was. Well, we were in a bidding war. Me, Mark, Damon, um, uh, 
she, Julie? Uh, I, I can't even remember her name. I was that angry. Just, just gets me so, so worked up, so red hot. Um, yeah, Julie God. Chen of Big Brother. Yeah, Julie Chen was in the. She was watching, so I had a lot more um, pressure on my plate. Uh, shoot, what's uh, the QVC girl? I'm totally. Blanking. Oh, Lori. Yeah, Lori. Oh, Lori. Okay. That Lori is a guest shark. <laughs> no, like <in> season one. <laughs> Oh, we we have a lot of guest sharks, um, and those are the worst. They just come in like they own the place. But Julie Chen was watching, and so I had a lot more pressure on me. And Lori, just she, she says we're we're trying to find out about this business, make sure he knows what he's doing, because um, we're tech guys. It was an app for uh, applying to colleges, and Lori just comes in here and says. You can either make a deal with me, I'll give you everything you want. I don't need to hear another word about it. Just you go with me and we're done. And that's just not how you do business. And so I'm I'm getting so worked up. I've got Julie Chen's beautiful eyes burning into the back of my neck. And so I stood up and said, uh, Lori, I'm going to walk away right now because my mom said that if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And I'm about to be very rude to you because in Canada, when you cry in front of a woman, it's considered very disrespectful. And I was, I had a, a lump in my throat the size of a softball, I'll tell you what. And boy, my, my I was choking it back. And so I, I bolted from the stage. Uh, I ran to my dressing room and I just bawled. I was bawling my eyes out. Uh, having gone through that, and somebody, I, then I heard a knock on the door, and I'm thinking like, oh, this is production or something, um, uh, but it wasn't. It was, it was Mark. It was Mark Cuban, and he came in and he sat down next to me, and put his arm around me, and he said, "Hey, we'll get him next time, big guy," and he gave me a big old bear hug, and he cried with me. We just having gone through that, uh, having just basically totally disrespected and being taken advantage of. It, that was the, the moment that me and Mark, we, we put our rivalry in the past and we just, just cried together. That is so sweet. Yeah. It was a beautiful moment. And then uh, it's, it actually has kind of a happy ending. See, we were in there together and later, uh, a few minutes later, you know, we're, we're wiping each other's tears. He's, he's got his thumb up in my eye, and he just wipes one off, and he says, make a wish. And I blew the tear away, and that wish came true. Because not five minutes later, Barbara's knocking at the door. She's coming in for a big hug, and we're all hugging. Then Damon, Damon sticks his little shiny head in, <laughs> and says, uh, did I hear something about a hug? <laughs> And then, I don't know how she got this, but Lori comes and she, she's all bashful and she's got her hands behind her back and we're all, we all stop and we look at her and she sticks out a Caesar, which is the Canadian national drink. It's kind of like a Bloody Mary and it's fully loaded. And I know that that's, that's her peace offering to me. This thing is, it's stacked with stuff. It's got a, it's got a slider in it. It's got a crab claw. It's got 
pieces of bacon sticking out, and I'm thinking, what is this, a drink or a meal? <laughs> and so she sees me eyeing it, and she says, get over here, big guy. And so I go over, and I start slurping on it, and then I see everybody watching. And it's just like, it was just such a beautiful moment. We were like a family. And we all came and stuck a straw in it, and we all slurped down that Caesar. We may fight like brothers and sisters, but at the end of the day, we're just a big family. Wow. That was a beautiful story. And I think, uh, ladies and gentlemen, with, th- with that story, we're going to go ahead and take our break before we get to talking to the po- about the podcast. Is that okay with you, Robert? Yep. Okay. Be right back. All right, it's time for me to finally break down and tell you the truth. I didn't really have Robert Herjavec on the show. That was my smart, handsome, funny friend, Adam Rost. I didn't ever mean to trick anyone. I just wanted to have a good time with my friends. However, the night of the live show, my friend Adam Rost, whose Twitter is at Sad Pizza Party, and whose Instagram is at Adam Rost, was very busy recording a podcast with me in front of a room of hundreds of people at the LA Comedy Podcast Festival. So if anyone out there is looking into whether or not he was actually somewhere else doing some other illegal thing, they might as well not bother questioning Adam Ross anymore, because as you've heard, he has a rock-solid alibi. So anyway, that ends the part of the podcast cops are allowed to listen to. If any cops out there want to listen to the rest of this, you'll have to go get a warrant first. I'm sorry for the difficulty, but this is just a standard part of the show I do every week to keep the power of law enforcement in check. Anything you hear after here cannot be used in any criminal cases. Okay, there you go, Adam. I don't know who's going to believe this cockamamie story you cooked up, but I read it on the show, so give me back my grandmother's ashes, or so help me God, I'm going to spill the beans to all the cops that you stole a truck full of those new black Burger King buns. And I doubt your once-you-go-black-you-never-go-back defense is going to hold any weight in court. I don't know who you think you're fooling anyway. Like, the live crowd from this episode would have reacted so strongly to anyone besides America's sweetheart, Robert Herjavec? Shame on you, Adam. Uh, uh, Tom Cruise's character in Magnolia was based on me, according to Paul Thomas right? Anderson, well, I get who's told, the writer and director. I get told I look like Tom Cruise. Wow. So do you have the daddy issues then? Is this all reverting back to da- a place of... I don't have daddy issues. Daddy, being, issues. daddy issues is such a gross term. Uh, it's more like... It just sounds so? like... I do date extremely molestation. younger women. I do date daddy issues. Panties. I had daddy issues. <laughs> I do so tend you, to date women who are 20 to 30 years younger, but not always. Is that a rest of development? And they're Swedish. Are you... Go for Swedish women because it's it's true. The stere- Swedish women, they... they can I say the F word? No. No. It's they, a Christian podcast. They, they'll drop their pants at the drop of a hat. They don't want you to spend a penny on them. They get insulted. What makes you happy? So um, you don't like to spend money and you want an easy broad. No, no, no. no, no. Hold on. <laughs> so this week, Robert Herjavec and I listened to Professor Blastoff, episode 202, featuring Tig Notaro, David Huntsberger, Kyle Dunnigan, and Ross Jeffries. And this was a bad boys of podcasting episode. Professor Blastoff is a show on the Earwolf Network where Tig, David, and Kyle will have some kind of an expert on the show or sometimes just a comedian, uh, but usually they will talk about something that they're really interested in if it's a comedian. Uh, but they'll have an expert on the show, and then they will talk about something having to do with like science or philosophy or that sort of uh, intelligent conversation, but they make plenty of jokes about it. 
And so Ross Jeffries is a uh, pickup artist extraordinaire. Uh, I don't know if that's what he would want you to call him. Uh, he had some very high-sounding names for the things he does. And it was, I don't know, it, on the scale of bad boys of podcasting, I would say everybody was really nice to each other. So David was not on board at all. You could tell the whole time. But for the most part, uh, Tig and Kyle just, you know, had a nice conversation with the guy. What do you think, Robert? Do you think he was a bit of a bad boy or was he a total badass? Ross, I think, thought he came into it thinking they're lucky to have me and I... I'm going to treat this as an hour-long advertisement for my website. (laughs) (laughs) And he was not interested in participating in the podcast so much as uh, getting back on brand and message and telling them that they were not funny, but they were also very funny. (laughs) Yeah, he... Well, I don't know, because it seemed like... Yeah, anytime they would say anything like negative or uh, sort of stereotypically pickup artist-y, uh, he would be sure to make sure everyone knew he didn't think that was funny. But then when they yeah. would make funny jokes, then he would say, wow, this is a really funny podcast. I can't believe how funny you guys are. I think the first time he tells them they're funny was around the 20-minute mark. And it was after he told Tig, hold on one second. And when she said, uh, this sounds too good to be true, he said, hold on one second. Like, be quiet. I'm talking. <laughs> and then afterward, he said, I like this. Uh this is going to be fun. You guys are funny with the subtext that was 100%. Uh, fuck you guys. <laughs> Let me talk. And every time he said, you guys are funny, I think that was the subtext. Oh, okay. Because I took that 100% face value every time. Uh, I, I, I'm i not a big irony guy. I don't necessarily get it all the time. Uh, so I, I need somebody to tell me this a lot of times. So thank you. You're welcome. Yes, you would be one of the few people who can't be helped. Psychotic people and people with signs of Asperger's. The two he listed. Oh, no. My Asperger's is showing. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to bring that up. But how messed up was it to have kids reading this disgusting, filthy commercial at the beginning? Like, how exploitative is that to have your kids on your podcast? So stupid. Oh, my God. It makes me sick. I almost turned it off. I, like many of the forum responders, turned it off and then left a comment saying how they did not listen to this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Which is what you want to (laughs) hear. Great. (laughs) Thanks for letting us know. Well, I can't blame them because if I heard a podcast with a kid on it, I would turn it off immediately. And I urge all my listeners to do the same. (laughs) Right there with you. So what would you call your moneymaker? Well, I would have thought that it was my brain because of my success in business. But after Dancing with the Stars, I'm going to say it might be my body. I think that entering this new chapter of my life, my physique is, I don't want to sound boastful, but I look great. Oh, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, give them a hand. <laughs> oh, wow. you're too Everybody kind. You're making me blush. <laughs> yeah, I, okay, I could... Unbutton my shirt if you'd like. Oh my god, it's so loud in here now. Only if the audience wants it. I can't hear you. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> Just my arm. Wow, it's going to be hard doing the rest of this podcast with this boner, but <laughs> it's 
Pretty amazing. So have you made a lot of money with your body lately? Yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, I, after Dancing with the Stars, people just wanted me to, they kind of forgot about that aspect. And like I said, I did have all of my hair removed. So I'm living with that now. Um, oh, like permanently <laughs> removed? Yeah, I, I dove in. I dove in. <sighs> so the body of a baby now. Hey, but that's what your new lady likes. Yep. And if it makes a lady happy, well, a happy wife is a happy life. So how long do you think you could sit in a dark closet for? <laughs> well, uh, I pr could probably stay in a closet for, I guess, maybe a few hours. You got to remember, no vacuums in there allowed. <sighs> that's true. And it's just me in the closet, right? Right. I don't know. I feel like I just... Uh, I'm so passionate. I just want to get up and dance, or I don't know. I I could probably cook up a new a new company, a new investment idea, and I'm just so so amped and the love of my life, Kim. That if it was for her, like Stephanie was doing it for Tig, right? She was, but like she just said she could do it, right? Yeah. I guess if I was getting into a bet about whether or not I could? Yeah, I could do it. How about you? Nah, I don't think so. I think I'd go pretty crazy pretty fast. Hmm. I guess I could do like four or five days, something like that. But if you got me in there for like four or five months, something like that, I think then I would go really crazy. Yeah, that's pushing it. Uh, but yeah, just thinking about my, about Kim and her legs, she's got these dancers legs. They, they don't they don't stop at all they just keep on going and oh man this uh, the thought of her vacuuming in high heels with those legs oh, <laughs> just boy. it gets me juiced <laughs> just gets me so pumped and if, I'm, if I'm in there if I'm in there with a vacuum cleaner that's all <laughs> I'm thinking of <laughs> okay. I was wondering how this tied back into the closet <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I, I'm living in fantasy land <laughs> that could keep me going for a long time. Wow. That's pretty amazing. I wonder if any of these bets with Stephanie actually took place on the podcast. Because I'm not a, a super regular listener to Professor Blastoff, but I would love to hear Stephanie Allen eating three pizzas. Yeah, I, I would definitely wouldn't say I'm a huge blaster not, but I'm at least familiar enough with Tig and to know who Stephanie was. So I was just trying to imagine being Ross Jeffries sitting in a room <laughs> and having them spend 15 minutes talking about somebody who's not there and the weird shit she's betting on, like eating, could she eat two pizzas or three pizzas? Like, who is this person? And what, she wants to get into a closet? <laughs> <laughs> why isn't she here can we call her she should like, be a part of this conversation <laughs> that's a good point I hadn't thought about Ross not getting what was going on at all later in the episodes you, you hear him say who is Stephanie because <laughs> Tig right. brings up that they want turtles <laughs> <laughs> so like the very first thing out of Ross's mouth is that the techniques he uses the CIA and stuff come to him because they want to use it for interrogating uh, suspects and stuff. And I think that is a great sign 
for it being a skill that you want to use to get laid. <laughs> yeah. And to go on and act like it has nothing to do with subterfuge or misleading the person you're trying to have sex with, <laughs> like to defend it as if it's like, no, it's just for people who don't know how to talk to women. Uh, but also we'll use it on terrorists who's like, who have been tortured probably. <laughs> It'll make them do the, the thing we want them to do. Well, maybe he's just thinking, you know, all those terrorists, they want to let you know, they want to, you know, confess. So he's just helping them themselves. That's true. Terrorists, uh, the thing about a terrorist is that they, they don't know how much they want to tell you. Mm. And you got you to gotta let them know. You got to coerce it out of them. You got to stroke it out one, of them. They don't want to be the one to make the first step. So you've got to right. be there and you've got to say the first word to get them, you know, on that path. And then every step will be a little easier than the one before it. And uh, religion or like um, an allegiance to a nation, that's just a placeholder. <laughs> I, I, it's like a cold. Everybody has one. You can pick it up or drop it anytime. Yeah, that is that is the thing about colds. Anytime you want to get one, you can. And then you yep. can drop it as soon as you want to. It's no problem. Mm -hmm. So Ross was very quick to stress that he was not associated uh, with pickup artists on TV. And also yeah. that uh, negging doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So let's you and I try negging each other and see how that makes us feel. Okay? Okay. Robert, I don't think you're a very good dancer. Greggy, but why would you say that? I just spent like an hour talking about how it was the best day of my life. And now... I think that there's no wonder you only got in sixth place on Dancing with the Stars because of your bad dance moves. <laughs> Do you think a lot of people think that? You don't think Kim thinks that, does she? She's not just with me to, because she feels sorry for me, does she? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that, except that um, she is a professional dancer, so she can probably tell a lot better than I can like where you're making your mistakes. So if I think you're not great, then she must think you're like practically a rhinoceros or something. <laughs> Greggy, that's an awful thing to say like you're you're so forceful you're how can, can you say something nice about me um let's see well i guess you aren't as bad a dancer as pendulette <laughs> oh what do you mean oh go on uh, you're sweet you're funny you're funny Pendulette's a great dancer. Uh, let's see. Compared to Mr. Wonderful, you're a pretty handsome guy. Wow. That's that's so funny. <laughs> I never noticed I never noticed that you're you're funny. <laughs> I sort of feel like I I've been on stage with you for a, a little bit now, but there's something away the lights hitting your eyes. It's Really charming. Well, that's just your eyes reflected in my eyes because you have such beautiful eyes, Robert. Oh, okay. Now I know you're just <laughs> you're just 
Making me blush. I'm doing the negging. I'm doing the negging. Oh, we right. talked about. Okay. All right. I. You know what? That didn't work. I agree. That doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. He. Uh. He made a point of saying that negging um, is like a pejorative term, and then when Tig, it, it's like pejorative and it puts somebody down, and then Tig tells tells him not to interrupt David. And then the next sentence he says is, don't use the word broad. That's your pejorative turn. I'll say chick, like floozy, piece of ass, but don't you use broad. <laughs> like <laughs> being so uh, like belittling to Tig. Yes. I don't know. He, he was not super nice to any of the guys. Well, he was a little bit nicer to Kyle because Kyle seemed a little more on his side. But... He was not super nice to David or Tig, but I, it kind of, I got a little bit of an impression that it was because she was a woman. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. She also, I think after he tells her not to interrupt him the first time, uh, uh, he, she makes fun of every single thing he says for the rest <laughs> of the episode. Right. That was so <laughs> funny about this episode. Like, a lot of people suggested this one to me, but... Like, as a Bad Boys episode. But it was just a really funny episode as well. Uh, Tig and Kyle also was doing it, and David were all giving this guy a hard time. And they had some really great jokes in there, and it was really funny. Yeah. uh, Unless you're Ross Jeffries, who, whenever they made a joke, it's like, healing is not a joke. Um, (laughs) My favorite part when he shut them down was when they were talking about Bill Cosby. He says, I don't think Cosby's funny. Then he plugs his website and then goes on talking about Cosby. And somebody said, Cosby should have taken your course. He's like, Cosby's not funny. It's seduction.com slash new. It's $47. But I think Cosby's going to get caught. (laughs) (laughs) And then he went on about like some crime that like someone killed themselves in his house, I think is what he said. And then the police wanted to talk to him about it, like saying that he had murdered it or murdered the person or something. And then yeah. he was really angry about that. And that's how he reacted. So that's how he knows that Cosby actually did the things that people say because he didn't get mad enough about it. Whereas when yeah. he didn't kill a person, he got really mad when people accused him of it. Yeah, it, that, that was very unexpected <laughs> um, for somebody who's taken every turn Every, ch- every time he starts a story, it's with a brag. And then to <laughs> say, like, you were accused of murder? That, that's not really promoting yourself very well. Well, that kind of lends credence, though, to that being a true story. Because he didn't start off by saying how uh, this was a story about how he had sex with a really beautiful woman. Uh, so <laughs> maybe that one was actually true. <laughs> and... Do you remember how he reacted to being called a sociopath? Oh, yeah. He jumped right on that. Actually, that was my next note at 33 minutes. Uh, David brings up that he thinks Ross's strategies are sociopathic, and uh, Ross jumps on that, and he very vehemently says, no, absolutely not. These are just learning to speak in new ways and stuff like that. Yeah. He, He went from zero to frothing at the mouth. Similarly to being accused of murder. <laughs> like, I feel like he gets it a lot. 
Yeah, I think that is definitely a sore spot for him. Like, that's something that comes up all the time. Yeah. Um, but also the way he was able to jump from <laughs> talking about uh, Bill Cosby, then plugging his website, and then getting serious about Bill Cosby. He jumps from different ends of the uh, emotional or empathy scale, I guess, pretty quickly. True. Are you trying to in, imply something here? I don't know. My oh. Asperger's is flaring a little bit, so I'm not sure, but maybe you are. Uh, no, I'm not. I, I, I don't think he's a sociopath. I think he's just a creep. Oh, okay. Good. But. So then at 36 minutes, uh, Ross, he lets us know he does not have daddy issues. Uh, he does date women that are extremely younger than him, like 20 to 30 years younger than him. But that is unrelated to daddy issues. And he really likes Swedish women because they're cheap and they like to have sex. So uh, he gets into a lot of things right there. And like each of these things is uh, sort of glossed over a little bit, I think. Yeah. They do stop him on the Swedish thing <laughs> because that was a really weird thing to say. Yeah, it was so weird to bring up and like so degrading. And I'm, like, I guess I, I want to give Tig and everybody else props for not stopping him more times. That was one of the the two times, or three times, where Tig really stopped him. The other was, I don't know if you remember, he said, I've got some guys that want to treat women like tissue paper, or go through women like tissue paper. And Tig was just like, no. And that was, like, also one of the times where I was like, holy shit, that's, a fucked up thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> like, you, I've got men who want to treat women like things that you jizz into and then flush down the toilet. It's like, <laughs> holy crap. <laughs> that is terrible. Yeah. He's not a super nice guy, I think. I don't no. know. Maybe it's just me. I liked that uh, when he said he was funny... Tig and the guys were like, oh, tell us something funny. Tell us something funny. <laughs> yes. And that was great. I mean, that was mean. That was very mean. But it was also great because he was being an asshole. So, <laughs> which I'm allowed to say because uh, let me let me look at my notes here. But uh, he Ross says that criticism is a sign that you're challenging society's rules. So if I if I'm saying, you know, a little bit of criticism about, about him, he must be doing something right, right? Hey, yeah, if he's, um, you know, turning heads, he's he's got to be um, picking on some nerve. I think he said, the funny thing he said is, uh, having sex when you're 56 is like flying a kite. Uh, it takes a long time to get up, then it wobbles around for a little bit, and then it crashes into a bush. And the first thing Tig says is, I don't get it. And then let's go out on that high note. <laughs> yes, that was awesome. Uh, yeah. Dig yeah. <laughs> is a very funny person, I think. Yeah. She, she was definitely uh, giving him a run around. <laughs> so then at 38 minutes, Ross claims to be able to heal Tig, which is a very cool and nice thing to do uh, to a cancer survivor. I don't know how his talking is going to heal her, but uh, apparently he's able to. So, in twenty minutes, no less. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. 
Oh, I think there was a string of not funnies at that part. Oh, it's right, like... because he- healing <laughs> is not something that he takes lightly. Nope. Cancer's no not jokes. funny. I don't know if he ever saw that movie Patch Adams, though, because I think if he did, then he <laughs> might change his mind, but I don't know. Yeah, he'd be singing a different tune if he'd seen Patch Adams. <laughs> There's a little humor in there. <laughs> but I guess he, he just doesn't own a, a clown nose. That's the problem. We need to send him one, and then he will get the jokes finally. And laughter is the best medicine. I guess he missed that memo, too. Well, he doesn't have, like, a degree or anything because nobody's offering one. So No, no. You know, a lot of these things he's missed out on over the years. But he's a very skilled hypnotist. So uh, uh, his resume, like, uh, <laughs> just the things he's listing he can do with, like, no way you could ever back it up. And then, like, the pride of being portrayed as Tom Cruise in... Magnolia, who's like one of the biggest scumbag characters in a movie. Like the pride he had, oh, all of his brags. Or like when he told the story about the time when he was slapped, he was like, oh, I was at an after party for this TV show, um, Jerry Springer, and this girl slapped me. That's a negative story just because you put that you were on a TV show. Yeah, and then he says that the host picked her up under her arms and kicked her out of the party. Yeah. Like, what a weird specific... so then at 44 minutes uh ross talks a little bit about taking other people's girlfriends uh that was where the the cold uh thing came in Mm -hmm. Uh, but for once he was talking about men when he was uh objectifying people so that was okay i guess Uh, (laughs) everybody's fair game as long as you've got a subconscious mind so then at 52 minutes, Ross blows the lid off the capitalistic mask over the dating industry. <laughs> Robert, <laughs> who benefits from dating when you really think about it? This is true. Um, I don't know if you've heard that diamonds are not really all that rare. They're just, uh, it's a marketing company. The Boers has inflated the price of diamonds. And so actually what's going on is the dating industry is in cahoots with uh, like apps like Tinder, Match.com, because who really stands to make money off of a date? Who stands to benefit from a date? Not you, not the girl, the restaurant. They're the one taking all your money. The movie theater, the whole, this whole entertainment industry is just, it's, it's all just a conspiracy. It all goes all the way to the top. And honestly, I wish people would take Russ Jeffries a little more seriously when it comes to that. <clears throat> it's very hard to break into as a businessman. Absolutely. Uh, and it's just like those diamonds because, you know, food does not cost what these restaurants are charging you. Movies don't cost what these movie theaters are charging you. They just mark all this stuff up because they know you've got to take a date somewhere. Yeah. So that's what they do. And we all, we eat it up. We, we consume it like a bunch of little, I don't know, Rats in a maze. Like, we just do what we're told just because some industry tells us to. tells us that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, run on your little hamster wheel, normal dating people. Uh, Ross Jeffrey's seen through it. <clears throat> He's not following that little uh, dog bone on the fishing line that the restaurant and movie industry is dangling in front of your face. 
I hate to say it, but I am even under this spell. Like, I've been married 15 years, and I still go on dates once in a while with my wife. It's crazy. I don't know. So, oh, Gregory. Starting now, all that is going to stop. Uh, we, we'll never go on another date again. Mark my words. And my wife, once she, I'm going to make my wife listen to this as well so she understands and she doesn't get angry at me about it. Well, that's good to hear because that's the, the one part of the podcast where I really saw eye to eye with Ross Jeffries. I haven't been on a date in uh, 30 years when I learned about this back in my uh, college days. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. I, I would see my bank account uh, just dropping. Like every, every date, I'd have less and less money. And uh, where was it going? It was going to these restaurants where how much could food cost? It can't cost. They're charging an arm and a leg now for some chicken piccata. I, I know that only costs, I don't know, $7. Mm-hmm. And, and they're charging me upwards of 14 And so it's like, uh, hey, restaurant, maybe I just get out my $20 bill and I eat it in front of you. It's a sign of protest. You're not getting my money. And I did that in front of a date um, just to prove the point. And we ended up getting married. That was my first wife. Wow, that's amazing. That's kind of a bad use of money too, though, I have to say. <laughs> well, it, it proved the point. That was uh, more uh, out of respect. It was, uh-huh. uh, yeah, a sign of defiance. Okay, I see. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, we did have a contestant on Shark Take once who, uh, that was his product. He, he didn't say anything. He came out with a bag of money and he put this big pile of money on a plate. He hadn't said a word. <laughs> and then he just gets this big old bottle of ranch dressing and just smothers it. And then he, he eats most of it. And then he put them on little trays to serve to us. And we, we were just flabbergasted. We didn't know what to do. Lori, God bless her, she finished the whole thing. Um, she said, if we could bottle this, uh, you need to change your brand. But she was in, and she gave him everything she was offering. <laughs> but he, was had the- oh, he didn't ask for an amount by then. How did she know what to offer him? It, it was, I don't know if he knew if he was a master hypnotizer either. <laughs> he had us under a spell. <laughs> oh boy, Lori, she drank the Kool-Aid or ate the money. <laughs> I can't wait till that product gets into the story, so that's going to be cool. Yeah, I think it's going to be a hit. Lori's got a sense. Like, none of us thought that sponge would take off, but this money. <laughs> <laughs> so at minute 59, Ross and Tig, uh, they argue over whether or not there's anyone so unattractive that Ross's techniques wouldn't work on them. Yeah. Uh, I think he said, listen to me, listen to me, when he was trying to prove his point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I got, oh, and right before that, he bragged that he makes five grand for two days um, (laughs) or (laughs) to to help train somebody for two days. Um, So I guess unless you're too unattractive, then, oh, no. He said that anybody could, and Tig didn't yeah, buy it. Yeah, anybody right? could do it. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, for five grand, if you're, hey. if you're really ugly, you got five grand. <laughs> Ross Jeffries. Or you could just spend that $47. Yeah. 
Go to his website. Yeah, for, do it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I love right after this argument where he had told the guest twice to listen to me, he tries to get on a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder if I wonder if they, they kept taking off the cans or something like that to make him think they weren't listening or maybe they were putting their fingers in their ears or something because he was telling people to listen to him all the time. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> we, I guess we don't know what they were doing, so we have to give Ross Jeffries a little benefit of the doubt. They could have had their fingers in their ears going, la, 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 la. <laughs> I can't hear you. I can't hear you. So, yeah, that, I, I guess we have to give him a little Yeah, that, that's just what I was thinking because otherwise I don't know why he would keep saying that over and over again. <laughs> otherwise, unless their headphones were turned off, which I guess the engineer could have done, it would be impossible not to hear them because it's being blasted right in your ears. Right. So let's, you and me, let's try putting our feet on the floor and uh, thinking about how grounded we are, and let's see if our voices change, okay? Okay. <clears throat> so I got my feet on the floor. I'm thinking about the ground. I'm thinking about how grounded I am and how mm -hmm. present I am in this situation. And I wonder if my voice is getting any lower. What do you think, Robert? What, let's go through your process. Okay. I'm closing my eyes. I'm going to take my shoes off. <clears throat> I'm closing my eyes. I'm thinking of the way the stage feels on my feet. They're very clean. I had a pedicure. I'm thinking of my... my my love, Liz, and the hum of a, a Dyson Airjet vacuum cleaner. I'm just billowing in my center, just humming, humming, sucking. <laughs> oh, I, I'm, I've, I think I'm feeling something. Are you, Greggy? Am I, am I sounding more like a state-of-the-art? Technosexual vacuum, the kind you display prominently in your home, make a statement about what kind of man you are and the Absolutely. women in your life. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good. And I think that might work. Yeah, I think this might be part of his whole thing that actually does work. It's a good job, Ross Jeffries. I guess I have Ross. to send you a, a check for $47 now. <laughs> Kudos to you, Ross Jeffries, for giving that one away for free. <laughs> okay, snapping out of it. Okay. Um, there was one part where he says, was that where he says there's a blowjob routine? And oh, Pig's like, geez, do not talk yes. about that. Yeah, well, he wouldn't tell us like what is involved with that whatsoever, because I guess that's what you get for the $47 or something. But yeah, he has a, a blowjob patter, I think he said. He will go yeah. through. It's like a checklist that he goes through. I assume it's to get a blow job or is it to give one? I don't know. He was very I, unclear about what it did. Well, that, you know, piqued my interest. I, he, he was being kind of coy about it, so I looked it up. And the first line ends with stop and let her talk. And then there's like eight paragraphs of just what you would say to her. And I was so curious as to how long a woman would be quietly listening to this insane nonsense <laughs> that I recorded myself 
and it took over two minutes. Oh, so, my God. Yeah. You would, you would say one line, which is about, hey, where do you want to go on vacation? I th- that was like his thing. <laughs> and she would talk, and no matter what she said, you would then do a two-minute monologue <laughs> at her, <laughs> just like the most insane, like, don't you hate it when you're, boss just keeps piling on the papers at work and you just you think about getting in that hot steamy shower and you just think about getting in it and then hey do you remember eating chocolate think about that sweet chocolate in your mouth think about sucking on it think about extra vibe you get from it (laughs) have you ever connected with somebody think about that time when you really like somebody and they really like you and you're gonna go in for a kiss and it's just electric, think about that. <laughs> like, it, would, it would, a crazy person would be talking to you. Yeah, and like, how are you going to get somebody to actually like have something to say to this? Like if somebody said to me, where do you like to go, you know, uh, when you need to relax or something like that? Like that's something that I would have to like sit and think about for ten minutes or something before I would be able to come up with a, an actual good answer for. Yeah, it would be so out of the blue. Like, I, I'm just imagining a scenario where a girl's at a bar, maybe by herself, and you go up and you're like, "Where would you want to go on vacation?" And there's a lot of things to consider. Like, uh, I guess I'd have to get time off work. <laughs> I'd have to save up. Depends on what time of year it is. Could my friends make it? (laughs) Okay. When was the last time you were at work and the boss just kept piling on that paper? (laughs) And you just wanted to get home and take a hot shower. (laughs) And then you want to get some chocolate in your mouth. No, no, don't answer that question. I'm not done. Excuse me. (laughs) Listen to me. Listen to me. When was the last time... You, you wanted some chocolate. <laughs> and you roll that chocolate around in your mouth. And then think about your last boyfriend and how you connected with him and his chocolate. Wait, no, I messed that part up. Let me start over. Let me start over. <laughs> for, for, forget I ever said anything. We got to Yeah, forget all this. Forget all this. The beginning. I, yeah, I'm going to come. I'm going to reapproach you from the other end of the bar. Pretend this didn't happen. <laughs> think about that vacation answer, though, because you could do better. Okay. <laughs> wow, I was just about to leave, but then I saw you, and I had to come over and talk to you because you really meant something to me, but I'm not going to say what. <laughs> so tell me about where you would like to go when you want to eat chocolate. Wait, no, I did it wrong again. Damn it. So, yeah, it's oh, a pretty... Man. It's a pretty hard uh, system, but once you get it really nailed down, it'll become second nature, I think. Yeah, and guaranteed she's sucking your knob after that. Pay <laughs> <laughs> forty-seven dollars for that. Yeah, I mean he he couldn't legally call it the blowjob patter if if that didn't happen. <laughs> no, that would be false advertising. <laughs> yeah, the FDA has approved. <laughs> <laughs> the blowjob batter <laughs> But to all my listeners out there, I just want to say, uh, do yourself a good, fun thing and tell a friend about Podcasts Are Wonderful. Uh, you find yourself really enjoying listening to 
you know, to this podcast. So you're excited about giving the show a rating and a review on iTunes. So yeah, that was like a Ross Jeffrey style plug. <laughs> yeah. If only you'd uh, wormed it in there 10 times. Oh, right. That's <laughs> throughout right. the show. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe I'll get there. Okay, you should take the course. Just go back to that part and listen to it like 10 times, okay? That's all I ask of you. Okay, so that's the end of my notes, Robert. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about this episode before we get to the ratings? There was, I guess, the end when he says, going through a win like they're paper towels. Tig says, please don't say that. And then he says something and she says, or like, I could fix you, Tig. And then they said, yeah. You could club her in the head. And then he says, that's not funny. I don't think rape is funny. And then Tig says, this is not Professor Rape Off. <laughs> and he says, that's not funny. <laughs> like, none of us think that rape is funny. <laughs> We're making jokes. There's, uh, that that was a definite bad boy move on Tig's part. <laughs> I I have to disagree with him because I do think Tig <laughs> saying Professor Rape Off was a little funny at least. Yeah. Tig would not oh, there was the part where they were role playing and uh <laughs> Tig yeah. was humming throughout it. Uh, <laughs> so maybe she did have her fingers in her ears and was humming it in the microphone. Yeah. And uh he butts in in between her and Kyle doing the role playing, saying, um, this is not me, this is not Ross Jeffries, this is them doing a funny. <laughs> and Tig was like, sorry, Kyle, I couldn't hear you. There's a guy whispering at the other table. Like, oh, so bad. She was, she was my bad boy hero this episode. <laughs> so on Bad Boys of Podcasting episodes, instead of rating how good or bad we think the podcast is, what, which is actually always how good the podcast is because all podcasts take a lot of work and so you should really rate them on a, a higher scale. But when it comes to Bad Boys episodes, we rate the episodes on how much of a bad boy the participants in the podcast were, uh, like how awkward the episode was, uh, it, how mad at each other the, the hosts and guests got. And so... Usually I say to stay in the higher end of the rating scale for a Bad Boys of Podcasting episode. The scale is wide open. You've got all the way from one, which would be just a normal episode, not uh, really a Bad Boys episode at all, to a 10 where everybody is really angry at each other. Maybe somebody walks out. Uh, maybe a, a loud verbal fight happens. Uh, so what do you think, Robert? Where would you put this on the Bad Boys scale? Well... I think Tig kept her cool, but um, every time Ross told a story, she shut him down and <laughs> made fun of him. So I'm going to say, and Kyle was being pretty nice. Um, Ross, I think, is just a bad boy in general. He's a very nasty, nasty boy. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to give it a six. It was a little awkward. Nobody got, like, fed up. They did say you guys are funny meaning fuck you guys i think more times than i've ever heard <laughs> you're funny used with that subtext uh but it didn't ever get out of hand or super nasty so yeah six well i'm i'm gonna go with a five just because 
it, it was still a really funny episode. They got into plenty of, uh, you know, what Ross's whole theory really is about and stuff like that. But David was obviously very frustrated with him the entire time. Anytime David had anything to say, uh, Ross poo-pooed it and... Uh, the, like they moved on from anything David had to say very fast. And like you said, Tig was giving him a hard time and shutting him down constantly. And Ross was, you know, he was, he was being a little sarcastic in his praise of uh, professor Blastoff crew, but <laughs> yes, <clears throat> but at the end when, when Tig said, uh, we're the, <laughs> the least funny uh, group of people. I'm a Grammy-nominated performer. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to stick with that five because I think uh, I think if maybe you weren't familiar with pickup culture and, like, what a piece of human garbage anybody that subscribes to it must be, uh, then you could probably get through this episode without... Uh, I mean, I think you would still think Ross Jeffries is a creep, but I, maybe you would not think that there was anything uh, too awkward or crazy going on on this episode. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty middle of the road, I think. Yeah, I agree. But there's still plenty of bad boy moments, as I've uh, listed here throughout the st- show. What a group of stinkers getting up to hijinks on this episode. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> Bunch of rapscallions. Yep, I forgot to do that during <laughs> during my reading of the notes. <laughs> I'm very disappointed with myself. Sorry, listeners. So that was our episode on Professor Blastoff, episode 202. Uh, did we miss anything, Robert, that you wanted to say before? No, I think up? we hit most of the bases. Okay, great. So thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, thank you, listeners, for listening to the show. And I will see you next week for episode 51. Oh, and thank you uh, to our crowd here at L.A. Podcast Festival. You've all been great. This is the best live show I've ever done out of the the one other one that I've done before. Uh, If any of you were here last year, man, you must have been practicing clapping all year long because this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. And whichever one of you tweeted at Kim Kardashian and told on us, shame on you. I'm getting a lot of mean tweets from her. Oh, my God. That's why my phone has been blowing up. Yep. Jesus. Deal with this. Bye. She's a big girl. Bye.